0: This is Hunting Land, the podcast for landowners and land hunters. If you own, manage, or dream of owning land, this is the podcast for you. Clint Flowers is joining me today, as always. We've got a really special show this week. Clint, how many times a week do you meet with folks that are interested in buying land?
1: Three to four, generally at least. We probably run an average of between there and probably 10 a week that are either buying or selling.
0: I know it's something that a lot of people are interested in. I mean, this is my personal experience. And and also many of the people I talk to is, it's daunting. If you've never purchased land before, that first time is always the the one that's the the most scary because you you hadn't been through it. You're not real sure exactly what all the process is. And today on the show, we're going to clarify a lot of that as it relates to the actual purchase. And if you're thinking about financing land, how to get a loan, what's the, what are the right steps to take when you're getting a loan, what's the first thing to do, second, third, and fourth, and then also looking at some of the creative ways to finance land. There's a lot more to it than uh, what you think of when it comes to a residential property. So today on the show with us is Amanda Ryan. Amanda is the Relationship Manager for the Spanish Fort Branch of Alabama Ag Credit. Amanda, welcome to the show. We're really looking forward to talking to you today and learning everything that you guys do at Alabama Ag Credit. Tell us a little bit about what you do.
2: Great. Hey, guys. I'm excited to be here. And yes, I am a relationship manager, which is just a fancy word for a lender, a, a loan officer here with Alabama Ag Credit. And we like to call ourselves land and farm lenders. We are your land lender. So most folks, you know, over their course uh, of their lifetime have probably bought a home or two or or a rental property, condo, something like that. But uh, we get, you know, most of our calls from folks that are looking to make that first time land purchase. And we are the the go-to folks for that. We have the experience and we have the products that allow us to do that on flexible terms. And we are actually over a 100-year-old organization. Uh, a little bit about the history of our company. We're actually cooperative. And literally, we were created by an act of Congress back in 1916. Uh, Congress created a Farm Credit. So we are a nationwide organization, part of the Farm Credit system. For Back then, it was for folks in agriculture, for farmers, ranchers, folks in rural communities. That uh, back then, your large banks, your commercial financial institutions, would not or were very prohibitive in lending to rural landowners and farmers. So the government basically created a system whereby people uh, could could do that and get financing for rural property and for farms. So 103 years later, we're still here uh, conducting that mission, and we are in South Alabama, Central and South Alabama. And anywhere you are in our country, you can find a farm credit lender to assist you with that that land purchase.
0: So, Amanda, you guys, one of the loan types that you specialize in would be recreational land or, you know, the name of the show, hunting land. Tell us a little bit about all the different types of land uh, when it comes to when you say rural. Give me some examples of all the different types of land that you you guys do loan on uh, in addition to recreational land.
2: Sure. So it can be anywhere from that recreational property, say a 40 acre tract of land for recreation, or it could be, you know, especially here, I'm, I'm in the Gulf Coast here, here in Baldwin County, and we do a lot of financing for properties. It may just be 10 acres, and it's something that, you know, they may want to get out of that neighborhood and, and build a home on one day in the future, and they just want to secure that property right now. We do those under what we call a rural residential program. So we do offer those. The caveat is the land would have to be outside of a city limit jurisdiction, and that is where we draw draw the distinction that that is rural property. Uh, but typically, a benchmark twenty acres or more, where we will consider that recreational property, depending on the use of the property. It, you know, cropland uh, if it is actually being used for uh, row crop production or, or produce or cattle for grazing or or for hay. Uh, Those are all things that, you know, it it runs the gamut, again, from a small piece of property that somebody may build a home on uh, in the future or a large piece of property that somebody is growing crops on.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the differences between Alabama Ag Credit and and a traditional lender, you know, what we think of when we're going to buy our home, a residential home. Let's talk about the loans themselves and starting with down payments. How do the down, down payments differ? Uh, you know, typical when you think of residential, you think of 20% down. There's obviously some different vehicles out there that you can accomplish it. Uh, all it kind of depends on income and a lot of different things uh, for smaller down payment than that. But what's, what's typical for recreational land or hunting land?
2: So for hunting land, recreational land, you are still looking at that, Typical twenty percent benchmark, but a lot of the times, depending on on the size of the loan or of the purchase of that property, uh, we can do as low as a fifteen percent down payment. You know, with a home loan, you a lot of times may can go lower with that. Home mortgages can get basically. You may hear FHA or USDA type financing, uh, kind of secured mortgages. Uh, they have that government backing. Whereas with land, you don't necessarily have that option. So you will need typically at least that minimum fifteen percent down payment is the good rule of thumb.
0: So when we talk about down payments, I'm always you know, you're generally you're thinking cash, but I know you guys also can you can collateralize certain assets to function as a down payment on a piece of land. How does that work?
2: That is correct. So we do have that flexibility that a lot of our customers, especially repeat customers, are able to take advantage of that if you already own a piece of property, uh, most of the time that will be what we call similar collateral. So if you're looking at purchasing, you know, a 40 acre piece of property and you own another 40 acres, it it may be adjoining that property, or it may be be elsewhere. And that property is free and clear. We can look at mortgaging both of those properties. And that actually allows us to finance 100% of that new purchase. And you are not out of pocket any cash for that down payment because your other property was able to be used in lieu of the cash. We do have that flexibility at times uh, where we are able to use another unencumbered piece of real estate. Um, It would have to be real estate um, because we are talking about a mortgage on land. So we are able to use equity and other unencumbered real estate to be able uh, to allow that person to make that land purchase without having to, you know, to be able to free up, you know, some cash.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my question, Clint. I know there's some there are some vehicles out there that allow you to to collateralize some other assets like a like a a 401k or a stock portfolio, and we're going to have some more information on that in the future shows. But if I understand you correctly, Amanda, it has to be real estate if you want to collateralize a, a down payment, and it has to be paid off, right? It can't just be you know, hey, I've got a hundred thousand dollars equity in in this piece of real estate, but I still have a mortgage. It's got to be a, a free and clear piece of correct
2: with, with farm credit. That is our our vehicle uh, to secure a hunting land loan would be a real estate mortgage, and so the, the assets for collateral would have we would have to have a first mortgage on any property that we take as collateral. Now we do sometimes, uh, you know, if that person does have equity in their home in their primary residence, we I have had customers. This isn't often, uh, but we do have customers, you know, at times that are able to obtain a home equity line on their home to be able to get some cash out to make that down payment, or tap into some retirement assets, uh, convert that to cash. So if you can convert some other assets to cash to be able to make that down payment, so it's not it's not coming out of that that checking account or that savings account per se.
0: I would like to be a fly on the wall at that dinner conversation. I mean, I can just see my wife's face if I sat down there with her and I said, Hey honey, um, I'm thinking about borrowing against the house so I can buy, I mean, there's this property it has got some really big gear on it. And, uh, I think I'm going to collateralize the house to do it. Like I want to see that conversation and how that was navigated to be successful. I don't see it going well. In, in, yeah,
2: it in gets interesting. And as a rule of thumb, from from my perspective, it, or from a lender's perspective, from our underwriter's perspective, you know, if you are taking out another loan, essentially, to be able to make the down payment, uh, we do have to factor that in. And that is look, looked at a little bit more, but... It can be done. And in some, it's, it's not always a bad thing. They're, they're making a wise use of those resources at the time. It just all depends on the, on the person's situation. And we work with them to, you know, to be as accommodating as we can to make that, that purchase work and that financing package work. If they otherwise quali- qualify with us, we want to be able to offer them that assistance to make it work. That's, that's what we're here for.
1: And luckily for Joe, interest rates aren't based on looks because he'd never be able to buy anything.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it's good to know that, you you know, if somebody's got a, a unique situation and that, I mean, someone can be in a very strong financial position, but not have the ability to liquidate, you know, their asset necessarily. So it's good to know that if somebody is interested they can talk to you, kind of lay lay all the cards out and say what's possible that they're... It's not just a, hey, bring the cash 20% down, 30-year amortization, and, and that's it. So that that kind of brings me to the next thing. Let's talk about terms a little bit. Is there some flexibility in loan periods? Is it is a little more strict with land or what's possible along the way with that?
2: Sure, well, I will say, you know, yes and no. Uh, typically, terms for land... Again, going back to you know farm credit versus traditional lender, or you know a home mortgage versus uh, a loan and mortgage for hunting land. Typically, the maximum term I will just put out there twenty years. We do offer terms up to thirty years, and we will go up to thirty years in certain instances. But typically, for land for recreational property, your typical long term would be a twenty year. 20-year term. That's very standard. And that's that's what you're pretty much going to find out there. When I say 20 years, we're looking at a 20-year, we can fix that interest rate for 20 years. And that is something you're not going to find with a traditional lender. If they will, you know, mortgage that land, loan on that land, typically going back to, you know, down payments and collateral, they are going to need a much higher down payment and they are going to want to shorten the term. Or even if they will offer a longer term, a lot of times they will want to put it on a balloon payment and be able to get that land loan off their books a a lot quicker, whereas we are going to keep it for 20 years. We're not going to sell it. Uh, We cannot sell sell our loans. We're going to be there. We're going to take that risk and we're going to be there to provide service to our customers should they need it for that full term.
1: And what I've seen is also these traditional banks versus land-based banks like you guys take so much longer to close, have so many more requirements from the appraisal process, like full-blown timber cruises, you know, when they're really not needed just because they're not used to that kind of asset and they don't really understand what they're looking at. And talking about timber, you know, you've got most of our recreational buyers around here are kind of dual investors because they bought it to hunt on, but it's going to have some kind of timber component that they've got to manage and thin or harvest when it's time. So if somebody's got a track like that and they harvest timber, they've got those proceeds. How do you guys treat that? Or is there some requirement? Don't y'all have some options there?
2: Yes, we do have options. And that's a great point, Clint, because I also like to say when we are meeting with that, whether it is the first time land buyer, second or third time, we are also going to look at secondary aspects of that property. So if they are, you know, most of the time investing in that for recreation for themselves, their their family and friends. There will be timber out there, or there, there may be pasture out there, maybe some components of cropland as well. Some other benefits to that property for them to generate income, whether it be, you know, uh, harvesting timber, whether it be renting out maybe the, the pasture land portion of that tract of property and, and generating income from there. So, you know, we look at all of those things. And as far as timber goes, yes, we will. Again, we have. Appraisers on staff that can are going to appraise that property prior to loan closing, and that is a very efficient process because they are in-house appraisers and they they know what they're looking at. They're they're used to dealing with this on on a daily basis, so that is much more efficient. And uh, another pro of working with Alabama Ag Credit versus a commercial bank or a credit union, someone like that that's not as familiar with it. And then when when the customer gets to the point where Uh, We have, you know, a loan, an account with them. They're looking at harvesting some timber. They're going to be uh, receiving payment for that. We then in turn will look at that. And it just really depends on the point in time where they're at with their loan, what their current balance is, you know, typically how long that, that loan has been on the books and see do an analysis at the time and we'll see what our collateral is worth without that timber and see if we will most times require a portion uh, of those proceeds to be paid on the principal of the loan which is to their benefit as well because that's reducing at that point in time the interest that's accruing uh, on that loan
1: but they can also bank it with you guys in an interest-bearing account and let it make yeah. payments for them can't they
2: that is correct so we are do offer that. What we have a loan servicing account that we offer. So if they're wanting to make improvements on the property with those funds, uh, replant timber, uh, put in roads, do some fencing, that's a great benefit that we offer because we know that's going to approve the property uh, for the landowner and for us as well because, you know, that property is our collateral. So we do have what we call a fund held account. Uh, So we are not a commercial bank, Uh, we don't, we're not able to offer you a checking and savings account, but we do offer these accounts for our customers to be able to place funds in there to make improvements on the property. While those funds are in there, it is actually bearing a little bit of interest in that account, uh, which helps offset the interest that is accruing on their loan. So it's really a win-win for the customer and, and for us as their lender.
0: Amanda, I want to step back to when you were talking about balloons. You got. You've mentioned obviously that you're doing fixed rate loans. Do y'all have loan vehicles that you uh, use a balloon or an arm for? Or do you do anything that's variable uh, with your interest rates?
2: We do. We do. We offer variable interest rates, and we can do. We, we also offer uh, lines of credit and and other. Other loans, other than just land, uh, that we are able to do a variable monthly rates, like a prime or LIBOR type index rate on, on some of that. Certain customers, depending upon their situation, want, say, a monthly variable rate, even on a land mortgage. However, most of our customers do want that fixed rate, especially if it's recreational property that they intend on keeping, you know, for the long term. However, there are other vehicles. Uh, you mentioned balloon. We we can do balloons at, at times uh, or adjustable rate mortgages. What we offer that's unique, I believe, to our organization is we have a fixed a choice. So say we make a loan to someone and we set that up on a 20-year loan with monthly payments uh, and they want that 20-year loan, they want that payment to be, you know, to extend it out as much as we can, but we can lock in that rate for, say, five years to get them a, of course, the, the shorter fixed period of that interest rate, typically the cheaper that rate will be. So, we can lock their rate in for the first five years. After five years, it would reprice to a current rate and lock in for another five years. So, it's more like an interval pricing. And so, it gives the customer flexibility, uh, but it also does, you know, lock in and give them a time period. Um, So that can be, you know, we can fix it for five years on a 20-year loan or 10 years on a 20-year loan. So we have a lot of flexibility there. And uh, in certain situations, especially say if they are cutting timber or they have another asset that they are selling, uh, they may choose to do that short-term, you know, fix that rate on a short-term for a longer-term amortization, and then that gives them the flexibility that in five years, you know, I intend or hope to be able to pay this off. But if not, I know that ad credit, it's not a balloon payment. It's not a balloon. It's all due and payable after that first term. So uh, that's a really good, you know, product that we offer our customers.
0: You called that a, you said that's fixed to choice?
2: Yes. Just deter just kind of an internal term that, that we like to use. But yeah, fixed for the they can choose, you know, how long to to have that rate locked in on a longer term amortization.
0: With that vehicle, are there two adjustment periods or is it adjusts every uh it adjusts incrementally throughout the entire term? So if you say a five five, you'd have five a five and a five on a twenty year loan.
2: Yes, but we also offer because we are ad credit, farm credit, and everything that, that we do, we, we keep those loans. So if you're working, you know, your home mortgage, you may have taken that out with one financial institution and it may be sold several times throughout that process. So when you have a loan with us uh, and you choose that five-year period, um, you will be notified that your rate could be changing. And at that time, we could also look at doing some other things. Um, we're we're going to service that loan we offer options uh, to re loans, uh, to you know, convert interest rates and, and things like that. So we do have a lot of options that aren't full-fledged refinancing like you would have to do with a, a more traditional lender.
1: That's the important thing to note there is that those costs that typically come with a conventional balloon, if you wanted to refire or adjust terms, you don't hit that here. You don't sit there and basically just have to eat 1% of your total loan just to Stay there, the way you do at a conventional bank.
2: Right. No, and I will say, of course, you know we we offer all that. I will say you you won't have like Clint's saying if you were to refinance, you're going to have incur a lot of you know closing costs to be able to do that. Where with us, being able to service these loans, uh, that is a very they may there may be a small fee associated with it. I'll just be upfront about that, but it's very small just to do the work that we need to do in the paperwork that we have to process to be able to maybe change terms or do something uh, to benefit the customer.
0: I think a lot of people that, you know, haven't had a lot of loans, probably that's, it's a good distinction that you're making. They may say, well, what does it matter if if you sell my loan Uh, Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, if you don't hold my loan in house and you don't think about the fees that are associated. and, And a lot of times too, that's an important distinction thing to look at when you're, uh, assessing loans is that, you know, the interest rates may be the same across three inst- three institutions, but if fees are a lot different, how those fees really affect, what's your actual interest rate, if you were to look at it that way, by y'all keeping those loans in-house, it sounds like you're able to keep a lot of those uh, ancillary costs associated right. with whether it's restructuring that loan or refinancing that loan, whatever it may be, uh, you're able to keep those at a minimum we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to continue talking about how to get a loan for hunting land. Hey guys, we get a lot of landowners that want to know how much is my land really worth? We have recorded a video series to explain exactly how we determine that. Just head over to landhuntingcom slash go to get the series. I'm confident it will help you achieve your land goals. And we're back today. We're talking with Amanda Ryan. She's the relationship manager at Alabama ag credit in Spanish fort, Alabama, Amanda, is giving us the lowdown on everything we need to know on how to get a loan for hunting land. I'm really excited about where we're going to take the rest of the show because we're going to get into some of the creative financing options, which is uh, where things get interesting. Amanda, why would someone choose a variable rate? I've always, you know, what are the the advantages to a variable rate? I've always just, uh, I'm only going to go with a fixed rate. So why is that? Right.
2: You're in the majority. I would say the majority of my customers, they want that fixed rate. Variable rate, you know, that honestly, some folks just want the lowest rate possible at the point in time. And they are at, they're, you know, not as risk adverse. So they're willing to take that risk for that point in time, especially if they don't have, you know, they they have a plan for the long term and, that, you know, includes being able to to pay it off quickly. So that's that's typically what you see. But most folks, uh, Joe, are, are right there with you that they're making this purchase. This is a, a personal purchase. And they're going to, you know, all their intentions are it is a long-term investment. And they want that long-term fixed rate. So they don't have to worry about and take on that risk.
1: Well, one of the weirdos that went with a variable rate, but I did it when the market was so low. So I started my land loan, and then when the rates started creeping up, I took advantage of their one time lock, and we locked it in in the low fours, uh, which you can't get today, but
2: <laughs> right <laughs> but see, that's yeah, and that's great. and we, and like I said, we're able to offer that. So if someone does have that, those rates, you know, unfortunately we did. we have already seen a rate hike uh, with the type of winding that we do. So, you know, when that happens, we do have those customers, they are able to convert to a fixed rate. Uh, so, as Clint mentioned, he has personal experience and he can attest that we are willing and able to do that for our customers.
1: One thing we haven't discussed is y'all's patronage rate. Can you touch on that?
2: Yes. So, uh, this is something that we love to highlight uh, as as a farm credit, at Alabama Ag Credit. We are a cooperative. So I'm referring to my customers, but really I should refer to them as the owners of our company. And they are stockholders, actually. So when you uh, do business with us, a uh, portion of your closing costs, you will make a one-time purchase to buy stock in Alabama Ag Credit. It is required. It's a one-time purchase. We will actually refund that stock purchase to you when you pay the loan off. But in the meantime, our, we have a board of directors, and every year they will set what we call a patronage amount. Patronage is basically a term for a refund to stockholders of a cooperative. So that typically is, uh, I think, the last several years. I know in this year we paid out over $9 million to our stockholders, uh, just at Alabama Ag Credit, over $9 million uh, in cash to our stockholders. And that is essentially. It boils down to and reduces that effective interest rate by close to a whole percentage point. And it may sound a little confusing. Uh, and if you've never done business with us, you, you really don't know the benefit of that until you get that check in the mail. And it's it's very exciting. And it's something that, that we love being able to do for our customers, for our stockholders.
0: There's nothing confusing to me about getting a check in the mail. There you go. I like as many of those as I can get. You know, you're talking about interest rates. So, with a co-op and that patronage rate, it's going to effectively bring that interest rate down as long as y'all are paying it. Have you ever exactly. had a year? Have you ever have you had a year recently where you weren't able to pay it, or have y'all always been able to pay it?
2: We have always been able to pay it, as far as I know. <laughs> so, when we do have some some uh, information and, and data on that, as far as the, the years and how many years we've been able to maintain the patronage at the level and every year that just keeps increasing
1: in my experience with them i'd say we'd averaged about one percent a year maybe a little more on certain years but it's i don't think it's ever dropped below one percent in the last six or seven years
2: yeah i would say you know the past decade uh you know our borrowers our stockholders have been getting that great check in the mail every spring so it's paid in arrears so you know our customers all of our stockholders this year in 2019, we'll get their patronage check in March of 2020. So that's just kind of the timeline of, of how that rolls out.
0: Amanda, right now, here we are May 2019, where are interest rates? What Where are they running? And how, how are y'all's interest rates decided? Is it the same as the residential market? Or is it a little different?
2: It is not. It's it's a lot different, I would say, and it's a it's a little difficult to explain. And I've been here about over four years now, and I still have to to wrap my head around it a little bit to explain how these interest rates work. But I will say our interest rates come out every week, so we have interest rate changes weekly. And what where we are on rates? Uh, it is a completely different market than home mortgage. You're usually looking at. It, prime interest rates. And we are actually tied more to a bond market. So our funding, because we are not, you know, commercial bank, we we don't have checking savings, you know, we don't have deposits. So our funding comes from bonds from the bond market, actually specific farm credit bonds. So it's a very interesting and you have to kind of get really in depth to, to learn about all that. But we are really more tied to, to the markets. And so that fluctuates. And I will say that the past month, we have seen a little uh, downtick in our rates, which has been nice. Uh, but you are looking at typically right now with the way things are, at least a percent over what you would normally think of a traditional home, 30-year home mortgage. So in that that 4% range, we're today probably going to be in, in the 5 to 6% range. Now, that is before you factor in our patronage payment, uh, but just an upfront rate. There are a lot of factors involved in that, but just to give you a range, that's probably where you're going to be. That typically, for the first time land buyer, always sounds a little bit higher than what they're expecting, but it's just because it's just a different type of product. But we always want to be competitive. We are competitive and we are able to offer these rates at fixed rates, you know, low down payments, flexible financing options, and you know, terms that, that meet that buyer's needs versus, you know, the, the commercial banks.
1: I'd say it's right in line with most commercial loans to cheaper than those just because it's you know, it's not a single family primary Mm-hmm. residential mortgage, this is a more of a commercial loan, and you know it's it's i've got those too, and uh my land loan's a lot cheaper yeah, if you've ever had to get a business loan
0: it's in line with that it's not it's yeah. not like uh your your primary residence, but anytime you're talking about something that's got a little more risk to it than someone's primary residence it's gonna gonna be a little little tick, I would say in interest rates Clint. Mm-hmm. I've got a question for you as we you know we've kind of gone over down payments terms interest rates what about a pre-approval? How important do you think a pre-approval is for a buyer uh, someone who's interested in looking in purchasing land and as a as a seller and as a as a listing agent for the seller when someone comes to you and is making an offer with a pre-approval letter, does that change things at all uh, for the seller and uh, does it help the buyer? to go ahead and have that process
1: done and taken care of. Absolutely. What it does is it allows your offer to mimic a cash offer uh, in in most ways. I mean, it's still subject to an appraisal, but the fact that you've been pre-approved for that amount of money uh, just shortens the closing process and makes things a lot cleaner for the seller because he, you know, for the most part knows if he accepts that offer, he's got a deal.
0: So Amanda, if I come to you today and I say, hey, I'm getting ready, I'm going to buy some land, Uh, I want to get pre-approved. If I've got my ducks in a row and I get you the documents that you need, how long does a pre-approval take?
2: Well, another advantage of the Alabama Ag Credit is we even go a step further than that and get you a true approval. So we like to say if you're approved, you know, you're approved. Uh, A lot of traditional lenders may pull a credit score real quick and give you a pre-approval for up to a certain amount of, of money. And then you get a contract on a piece of property and get back with that lender. And that may or may not be the case as far as what they're able to do for you. With us, if you have all your ducks in a row, uh, we're, we're looking at you know tax returns, a few pay stubs, some some banking account verifications, along with a fairly simple application that, that we have that we can easily walk you through. That turnaround time for our underwriters and, and to get that credit approval is typically just a couple of days. So, and, and if it's a what we consider on a smaller scale, you know, sometimes even within 24 hours, I may be able to have an answer for, for that, that prospective customer. So it's a very efficient process, uh, that we're able to, to do. And then once you, uh, get with Quint, you guys get an accepted offer, uh, get that back to us, go through the appraisal process, the title process. We like to say we can, we can have all that, no hiccups, close within a 30 day timeframe
0: it will take me longer to get my documents together. From looking at the way my office looks, it would (laughs) definitely take me longer to get my my documents together than it would for you guys to approve it, it sounds like. But you don't, you know, if you're going into, I mean, Clint, if you're going into negotiations with someone, uh, if a piece of property hits the market that's a prime piece of property, we talk about location a lot on here, if a piece of property hits the market that is a prime location, Or a piece of property hits the market that's underpriced, or there's a piece of property that hadn't hit the market yet and you get an opportunity at it, you gotta have your stuff in order. I mean, you can't waste any time trying to get fine, you know, well, let me go check on my financing and let me get this stuff together. I mean, let's, you know, you gotta get that deal done today. And if you get two offers, competing offers, and one person is approved and the other person is contingent upon financing, which one do you see getting accepted? All things being equal, the,
1: the seller's going with the one that's pre approved every yeah. time.
0: Yeah. I think that's key. Uh, and and doesn't cost anything to get approved. Just a little bit of time and making sure you understand what's going on. Well, we talk about buying land. What about if we want to build on that land, Amanda? What if what if we what if we see a piece of property and we're like, well, you know, that's got the timber and it's got the hunting, but it doesn't have a pond? Uh, I really want a pond or my wife really wants a pond or I really want to put a cabin on it or a barn dominium or mm-hmm. uh, something to that effect, or I need a tractor to work that land. Can you can, I know you can do land improvement loans. What do you call them and, and what's out, what's available out there?
2: Sure. So just what you said, I mean, a, a variety of, of things, improvements on, on the land, whether that be ponds or barn, uh, that would be, also, real estate loans, so actual improvements to the property for things that will be affixed to the property. Those could be we offer uh, supplemental loans or what you might think of as a second mortgage uh, to be able to come in, make those improvements. And, you know, construction of, of a barn or, you know, putting in a pond or, or fencing or you know those are just examples that I, I can think of as far as uh, equipment you know tractors implements things like that we offer shorter term uh, what we would consider equipment loans uh, you know and to be able to, to come in and finance those as well you're you will be looking at shorter terms on those typically around five years give or take very similar to any other equipment loan, uh, you know, that or, or you know, vehicle, automobile loan that that you could think of. Very similar to to that type of financing. We are able to offer that if it is for you know, ag or timber or you know, your recreational purposes.
0: Well, Clint, I, one of the things that I hear from a lot of our buyers a lot of the time is they kind of feel like it's daunting because. You know, if they're used to hunting a uh, hunt lease and they've got three thousand acres to roam across, and then they look at their budget and they realize, man, I, all I could really afford is forty acres of land. I don't know. I think it. I think it prevents a lot of people from getting in the game and getting started because they've got in their mind, man, I want to own five hundred acres, and you know, we're going to have ten food plots, and it's going to have a duck hole and a pond to bass fish in, and You know, they got their dream property in mind, but how many people start that way? How many people really start out with their dream property versus starting out with that 40 and then rolling
1: it into something else? The first piece of property I ever bought was 10 acres. And I did a 1031 exchange and, excuse me, rolled it into a 40. I deal with people that do it. You know, both ways, Uh, the people that I know that are the most land wealthy started off with what they could afford and they just kept rolling it forward and kept growing it and growing it and growing it till today they own thousands of acres.
0: Talk a little bit about how you roll that, Clint. I mean, there's ways you can do that that are tax advantaged.
1: When you do a 1031 exchange, you've got to carry everything forward your debt and your gain. Because if you pay off any of that debt, the IRS looks at it as you paid off using your gain. So they tax that payoff. That's called boot money. Uh, We've talked about that before. But what I do is you've got the conventional way of, I sold a piece of property, I've got some gain, so I'm going to enter it into a 1031 exchange and take my period of time to try to find something else to buy. And that's a stressful thing to do. I'm in the middle of one now. I find it a lot easier if you go ahead and if you're able to, to buy what you want to buy next and then utilize a reverse 1031 exchange. And the way I've done that, in conjunction with the lender before is I had enough equity in the track that I was going to sell to pledge it for the down payment on the one I was going to grow into. And I went ahead and bought that track and pledged my equity in the in the smaller track for the down payment on the new one. And I bought the new one inside of a reverse 1031 exchange through a qualified intermediary. And then I, after closing, I had six months to sell the smaller track. And I did that brought all that money forward into the new track. And even though I'd made a a profit, a capital gain on the one that I sold because I had utilized a reverse 1031 exchange and brought it forward into the new larger track. So I was able to cash out of the new larger track with all of the proceeds from the sale, including all of the gains without having any tax liability from the sale of the smaller track, even though I made a profit.
0: So, that's pretty cool. So, if I'm understanding you correctly, first off, I mean, if you're kind of looking at a 1031 versus a reverse 1031, it sounds a lot less stressful to have to sell a property in 180 days than it is to identify three properties that you want to purchase within, what is it, 45 days or 90 days?
1: 45 days and then you've got 135 after the 45th to close.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that means you have to buy something. You already know what what you have to sell. You know, especially when you're talking about land, when you think about I have to find a piece of land that I want to buy in the next essentially 180 days, that's a stressful proposition. Cause what if there's something, nothing on the market that you want? It's not like land, you know, it's not like a residential house where it's like there's going to be something. Key to all
1: of that is my lender, which was Alabama Ad Credit in this sense, was knowledgeable enough and willing to work with me through that process and allow that to happen if they hadn't I would have had to try to get an equity line of credit on the smaller track use that as a down so then I'd have had two loans two crew and interest on both ends at different terms trying to balance all that and do a reverse 1031 exchange and it would have just been a complete nightmare and yeah. you know, but working with a rural land lender that knows what they're doing they said yeah well, this is just this is just a growing process a little bit of a growing pain and we're going to work with you through it and you know, everybody benefits in the long run. It just made things so much easier.
0: And so you took that, you're able to take that equity from the property that you sold and roll all that into your down payment on your next property and avoid the capital gains treatment, avoid that tax until the next time you go to sell. And then hopefully yeah. you're doing that again. And you just keep going. You roll sure. it up. 40 10 turns into 40 and 40 turns into 80. And before you know it, you've got your 500 acre piece that you wanted.
1: That's right, and it's important to always point out that's tax deferment. Not the taxes will be due eventually unless you own it when you die, and then your heirs get a step up in basis. But that's a show for another day. Right?
0: Absolutely. Well, I think we yeah. already did that one, land inheritance. So, <laughs> well, very cool. Well, Amanda, I think I've learned about all I can learn for today on how to get a loan for hunting land.
2: It is. know uh, it's such exciting content.
0: It is. It is. It really is for me because when I, I mean. When I'm, I'm just thinking about deer and turkeys and ducks and.
2: Yeah, well, that's what we want you to be thinking about, and we really, and I will say, I appreciate Clint's his perspective from the customer side. We greatly appreciate, of course, his business and our our working relationship with with Clint and uh, his company. You know, but to know that we are. We're, we're fulfilling our mission and we're able to assist and we're able to not only help you make that first land purchase, but be a, a partner to help you grow. And it's a, you know, a great relationship. And we, we're very appreciative of that. But we want, even at the first time, Joe, we want you to be concerned about, you know, the deer and the turkey and, you know, the plots you're going to be putting in and making the plans for the land itself. Let Alabama add credit, let Clint You know, let us work together to be able to get you to that closing date. And from there, you don't have to worry about it. And as long as you're making your payment to us, everything's good.
0: Well, that's Amanda Ryan, the Relationship Manager at the Spanish Fort Branch of Alabama Ag Credit. Amanda, if folks want to get in touch with you there, how do they do it?
2: So... The phone call, email. Uh, we are here in Spanish Ford. I'm sure you have listeners from all over, but we're Alabama Credit. We're here in our Spanish Fort office in Baldwin County. Our phone number is 251 2929 And uh don't know if you want an email address. Uh, but the best way to get in touch with us just call the office. They can ask to to speak with me and I'll be glad to assist anyone with any questions about that, that land purchase.
0: Well, thanks for being on the show with us today.
2: Thank you, y'all too. Bye.
0: Folks, that's going to wrap it up this week. If you're interested in getting a loan for hunting land, check out alabamaagcredit.com. They've got offices all over the state of Alabama. And if you're a resident of the state of Alabama and you're looking for land anywhere, you can get a loan from them. If you're not in the state of Alabama and you're looking for a loan on hunting land, go to findfarmcredit.com. That'll plug you in with the entire system and you can get set up that way. It's going to wrap it up. As always, y'all, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on YouTube. Anywhere you listen, we're there. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you guys next week.